Happy Pride Month, everybody. This is Mr. Fox of the I Refuse Podcast. We are about to end this, um, another amazing season of the I Refuse Podcast with an amazing episode that we produced a short time ago. I had the pleasure and the honor of having a trans masculine trans man on the podcast um, to share his story, to share his perspective, his journey with me and the rest of us. Um, it was an amazing experience, uh, very informative, and definitely one of many pivotal conversations and dynamics that is key to the vitality and the progress of the community as a whole. I think it's very important that we remind ourselves that we're all human. And while we are all human, we must always retain a certain amount of compassion certain amount of selflessness, a certain amount of openness, and constantly strive to bring everybody together, bridge different subsets, different communities, different groups, different classes, to make a stronger community. Our community comes from a very strong history of resisting uh, heteronormative policies and legislation and attitudes and resisting this idea that because we may live differently that we're less than. Unfortunately, We still have some of that within our community, but nevertheless, we are, there are a lot of us out here that are striving, not only during the month of June, but all year round to progress and move forward as a community and do what's positive and do what's right and what's true. So nevertheless, I present to you our season finale, my episode interview discussion with Nick, N-I-K-K, Cochran, a transmasculine, trans male. Enjoy. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good. Good, good, good. Um... So I guess we'll just go ahead and get started. Um, I wanted to introduce you to everybody that listens to the podcast. Um, I'm Mr. Fox. Um, I'm very honored and very excited for this uh, opportunity in this episode. Um, And I wanted to introduce you. um, I wanted to make sure I got your name correct. It's Nick. Yes. And last name, how do you pronounce that? Uh, Nick Cochran Selleck. 
I have like two last names. There we go. I have two last names too. That mine are hard for There you go. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> People are like, Perfect. oh well, how did that happen? Well, I got married. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things I wanted to that most fascinated me about this opportunity is to um, to learn more about. Um, the life and the journey um, of trans people. Um, now, in the past three or four years of my existence, um, I've probably crossed paths with two or three. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I um, handled this very with care and um delicacy because I don't want to offend. I'm actually, I've always felt that I was in a position or was in my um, my goal in life to learn and to educate. Um, so the, the two people that I've crossed paths with are um, female to male. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want them to make sure that that was appropriate to say. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't want to, like, I, <laughs> I may be too sensitive no, about it. <laughs> it's, um, it's hard to know the terms sometimes, I understand. And whether or not it's appropriate. Um, right. Because, you know, I don't... Um, I, was, I was having a conversation with somebody a couple of years ago who is a physical therapist, but is also a really good friend of mine, who um, has a private practice that works closely with rugby teams. And through that association, he and I have um, similar acquaintances. Um, And during one of our conversations, um, he was telling me about a couple of workshops that he was about to um, give in the near future. And um, one of them was around trans men. Um, And we had a conversation that was like, you know, I don't want to offend, um, because, you know, it's, we have lingo in the community um, amongst um, cis gay men where like we get we get caught up in the moment and we get really spirited and we say girl a lot now me being one of those people i'm like well i don't you know i kind of want to be careful with that because a person that is a trans man may take offense sure. but he's like he's like you know you know don't overthink it um it's more a case of reading the room um right if it's, yes if it's uh, an environment where people are very familiar with you and are know that you know your heart's in a good place and your spirit's in a good place, they won't mind it. Um, and I was like, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, you would apply that to uh, a similar situation where you're in a room full of strangers, you don't know anybody, and you just start to, you know not go crazy, but just, I guess, act out or just get, you know, make a lot of people uncomfortable. Too comfortable. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, 
So yeah, that was that was very uh, comforting and very eye opening for me. Um, you know, as much as I think we as humans try not to offend people, you know, you can't, you have no control over how a person's going to receive something. Right. Um, so sorry, I was just kind of one of the things I tend to do on the podcast is go off into this a bit of a tangent. Um, I know. I probably assume that your your schedule's kind of tight and kind of packed and you have a lot going on. Um, so I figured we'd just go ahead and dive right into it. Um, sure. So you and I have a mutual friend, uh, Derek Michael Lundgren. Yes. Um, who I, I think he's just the bee's knees. Um, <laughs> um, there isn't there isn't a lot of uh, bad things I can say about the guy. Um, I started out as like a fan and an admirer of his years ago. Um, you know, I was introduced to him through like Vine and some of the things around that. And then just some of his, um, his performance work and then like some of his um, creative stuff. And, you know, over the past seven or eight years, we've, uh, we've spoken passing, but only recently, I want to say the past few years, we've had more closer conversations, um, which I think is very key in the community, um, mm-hmm. that we, you know, strip ourselves of the biases and the, um, the I, I guess, the comfort that comes with being familiar with just people that look like us, you know what I mean? Right, Um, yeah. And one thing that immediately drew me to him is that, of course it was the outside, but just that he didn't act or think or feel like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew instantly that his heart was pure. Um, So how did you and Derek become really good friends or... How's that all come about? Um, well, we're we're more of like acquaintances, I'd say like friends of friends, but I think I met him originally in 2016. Um, mm-hmm. We did a um, actually a workshop at Steamworks here in Chicago with Buck Angel, who is a, uh, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I do know Buck Angel too. So, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so um, that's how I originally met him, and then um, yeah, he's good friends with one of my other friends, so just kind of, you know, that way as well. Lovely, lovely, and um, I gather that you're a native of Chicago, or no? No, I actually am from Metro Detroit. But I've lived here since 2007, so I've been here quite a while. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, at what point, um, so how did your your journey and your experience start? Um, Yeah. No, because what, because I've I've heard different things. as I read and I listen and I hear other people's experiences, um, you know, did it, 
I don't want to like assume, but I, I'll just open the floor um, mm-hmm. for you to to share what you feel you're comfortable with. Um, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's almost been uh, twelve years that I like that I've started my transition, like my medical transition. And what right. I mean by that is um, I started testosterone injections. Uh, yeah, it was uh, March 2009, so it's been 12 years. And uh, I also only that I was transgender about five months before, or I don't, I don't want to say realize, but like came out as transgender five months before I decided to start my medical transition so there wasn't much in between for me um however i don't know how typical that is for people everyone's narrative is different of course but um yeah like i've never (laughs) looked back since then and um let's see i uh, it's like there's so much um i was originally uh, identifying as well, I basically say that I've been through the entire rainbow of LGBT, like all the letters at one point or another, right. which is true. Um, so I was originally, you know, bisexual, and then I said, Oh, maybe I'm a lesbian, so I was dating women, and then I realized that I was actually a man, and then I was like, Well, am I a straight man? No, and I ended up, Am I? final form evolved form as a gay trans man so here i am now (laughs) and i'm married to a gay man as well that's amazing yeah we got married um last august legally but we're uh we've been together over five years congratulations thank you um that that was great. Um, I I tend to hear like a similar experience, um, which is why I wanted to be careful not to like like assume that it was something um, similar. Um, and when as you were going through the the that journey of. Um, I want to say knowing and reconnecting and um, identifying. And was that something you were going through alone? Um, or did you have like a village of people that were supportive? Because um, the reason why I ask is because, um, you know, there there are parts of the country that are just not um, coming around the bend Mm-hmm. quick enough or soon enough um and when you said that you're originally from Detroit I got a little nervous because I'm like you know from what I know and understand of Detroit it's not um it's not uh, essentially the best um environment um you know me being a, a black male I have um there are connotations to Detroit that are not particularly positive um, so I would imagine that it would be twice or thrice as hard for someone such as yourself that is um, kind of, well, not kind of, but just going through an experience that 
can can be I want to say life threatening um, and and dangerous um, because Detroit nobody thinks of Detroit as like a progressive city or you know a progressive town. Right. Um, well, I I want to clarify. I was already living in Chicago when I oh, transitioned, okay. but yeah, Det- and I'm from like the suburbs of Detroit, so not the city. Um, but okay, yeah, I, nobody knows where Bloomfield Hills is, so I just say Metro Detroit. But they're very different than the inner city of Detroit. I want to clarify, but um, I do want to okay. also say though, you are correct that like you know. Michigan in general has not had the greatest track record with uh, trans, you know, rights and such, or like just being in a welcoming environment. I think that is, but I think Chicago was definitely the right place uh, for me to start my transition because, you know, in 2009, we didn't know or have as much visibility as we do now, not nearly as much. And Yeah, actually, the first trans man that I met was when I was in college, and it was 2000, I think it was when I started college, it was right around then, 2007, and he came, I was in a gay and lesbian studies class, that's what it was called at the time, and he did the trans 101 for our class, and today he is my very best friend um and we he's like my big brother he's uh, eight years older than me but i yeah we're very close and it was funny because i met him and i had no idea that i was also transgender and then once i came out you know a year or two later and started my transition he actually was running the youth trans youth support group because i was still like in my early 20s at the time so um yeah so i you know he's he's kind of my mentor other than that though i didn't really know a lot of other trans people um at the time but that has definitely changed now um but yeah but before it was like yeah i felt a little isolated even being in a big city like chicago so yeah like um to, to go from, you know, the Detroit suburbs to a huge city like mm-hmm. Chicago. I mean, I'm from Baltimore, mm-hmm. from Maryland. Um, and I've, I've lived or traveled to cities before. Um, but there's something totally different about Chicago that's still kind of, um, it's, it's the same kind of energy you kind of get from New York. But like Chicago, it's just, it's so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um and having only having only one friend myself at that time uh, that lives in Chicago but is also from Chicago, um, I had no idea like how to to go about that. But I mean, that's my attempt to relate. Of course, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's um, it's something totally different. Um, in your shoes, I'm sure, um, because you know the community as a whole. Um, as you know, we we move on from year to year and from president to president. 
and um, I guess from era to era um, within our history, I realized that like we we don't always have it together. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't always have um, the know-how, and I and I honestly believe that's up to all of us, um, or even subsets of us in our cities um, to to bridge the gap. Um, and like I say, that all just comes from a conversation. Um, and I think, you know, mentorships and having a mentor is uh, very key to, to forging that kind of, um, forging that, that gap, right. I guess. Um, and has it, since um, that connection between you and your, your mentor, um, has your journey um, grown in leaps and bounds um, as far as connections in the community, uh, support, like a, a bigger support group? Um, yeah. More people in your village? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, well, it's kind of funny because uh, originally, like I said, I was going to his youth group and then I got, you know, too old to go to that so we kind of lost touch for a while but we were always you know Facebook friends but um, it was in 2016 I started my own trans group called TMAC yeah and um, that was for trans masculine or trans men adults Um, so not like a youth group but he started coming to that um, so it was really funny because that's how we reconnected and I really felt like things just came full circle because, <laughs> you know, then he joined my group, you know, at the end and, um, and now we're like best friends and it's, it's, he's, yeah, he's a great guy. So, um, and also because of that group that I started, um, I know and connected to on, you know, social media, literally thousands of trans men or hundreds maybe there was a a thousand in our group on Facebook which is a lot but that's just in the Chicago area mostly but um yeah I'm I'm really into like connecting with other trans men around the country around the world sometimes and just finding common connections and shared experience that's amazing um that you actually took it a step further by creating another group. Um, I don't think, I don't think that kind of thing is, um, is present in my area. Um, They're actually, when I think about it, outside of like, um, you know, the student body or the student community that's here, like, or attends arts colleges here um, that have since probably gone back home since everything's right. virtual. Um, I can't think of a, um, I can't think of any, any like example of a prominent um, presence in, in Baltimore. And it's kind of a shame because we, you know, Baltimore is actually home or a place for 
a lot of um, different people, um, culture, backgrounds, ethnicities, um, mainly because there are liberal arts colleges here. There is, you know, Johns Hopkins mm-hmm. University. Um, but in my experience here, I've never, well, I've never seen. There is before. one in Washington, D.C. Um, yeah, big okay. one. It's called DCATS. It's DC Area Transmasculine Society, I believe it stands for. Yeah. So okay. um, I'm connected with DCATS wow. as well. So they're, yeah, they're based out of DC, but they basically do the same thing as TMAC, like in that regard. So, and have the same kind of name <laughs> right. too. I discovered that after the fact, which is funny, but. See, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. And you know, it's, it's kind of, um, I have somewhat of a connection mm-hmm. to DC. Um, most of the people I know, though, are more like DC suburbs or mm-hmm. DC adjacent. Um, and had I not brought that up, I would have never <laughs> yeah. known of a group in DC. Um, so you you mentioned transmasculine. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for those of those of us out there that are learning or are not aware can you please explain what transmasculine means and what absolutely so um yeah that's i feel like a term that a lot of people might not know um so when talking about gender as not being black and white or binary like not just male or female we're acknowledging that there is a spectrum of more male to female and there's that um, area in between, that gray area that some people do identify in. So when we were coming up with the group name, we were trying to think of the best kind of umbrella term to use for trans men, but we know that you know not all trans, you know, uh, assigned female at birth, like quote unquote female to male, like not everybody identifies as exclusively male there are non-binary people, and then there are people that just generally identify as transmasculine. So what that means is it's kind of, yeah, it's an umbrella term. It's just anybody who was assigned female at birth and then basically identifies as a man or within the masculine spectrum of gender, if that makes sense. Um, and that can also include people who are non-binary identified, like they don't really identify as either. Um, but it's it's really, a, yeah, it's kind of the best term to use when describing people of like, because trans men is what, like I'm a trans man, I'm not non-binary, like I identify as a man, but I just wanted to make space for the fact that not everybody does adhere to that binary gender identity. I hope that makes sense. I know it's kind of a lot. (laughs) Well, I mean, not for nothing. um, I think when people listen to this and they hear or they get a walkthrough as to what that means, I think it'll open a lot of minds and ears. Um, I mean, I'm sure it 
it probably will be a lot at first, but I think, you know, being conscious and learning what exactly is going on out here um, right. helps. Um, so I appreciate, I appreciate that yeah. wholeheartedly. Um, and I hope that people that are listening um, receive, receive this well. Um, because we're we're right. not going anywhere. It's um, not a new thing. <laughs> if right. anything, we're actually people say it's not. and people think that this um, whole gender thing. Like I know the new thing with Mister Potato Head. Everyone's getting all up in arms. Have, have you heard about that? Right. Yeah, I did. So it's, um, it's they're acting like we're just making you know trans people are making this up and it's a new trend. But honestly, we have had our existence roots back to you know there there's evidence of transgender people in ancient egypt like there it's it goes way back it's rooted in just the nature the complex nature of gender as us of us as humans and yeah like just i think what's happening socially is we're starting to shift away from traditional gender roles, which has a lot of people freaking out. And I think that's what's really going on. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Because I know when, as I was growing up, um, and this has a lot more to do with the one or two generations before me, where, you know, it was the 50s and the 60s, and, you know, men had to be this way, women had to be this way, and that was just going to be the rest of their life. Um, And there was, like, this whole, you know, social construct tied to that to where, you know, it got down to equal rights and civil rights and voting and, you know, just more... um, segregation and more division mm-hmm. and what I found is that as people from those generations got older it became harder for them to adjust I mean you still see it like in politics and you still see it with like red states and blue states where it's just like I was just having this conversation with my boyfriend yesterday about you know a lot of people that voted for 45, I absolutely refuse to say his name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> believe that, oh, you know, politics and government, it's always, they always believe it's mm. a trickle down kind of thing. Oh, well, if somebody at the top, if we're pushing for them, they're going to do right by mm. us or they're going to look out for us. And it's like nowhere in history, whether it was Republican or Democrat or Independent, um, ever was about that you know it's a game of politics people just say enough to get in the seat and then slowly but surely they'll either revert back to the norm or they'll take their time in pushing other things that weren't even mentioned um and again i'm going off on a Mm -hmm. a tangent i'm known to do this on the podcast um (laughs) but um Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, people are definitely freaking out. Um, and it's, 
and beyond that they're not getting mm. the point it's it's so much bigger than a holiday mug it's so much bigger than a a toy it's bathrooms. so much bigger than um bath right bathrooms you're right so much sports, bigger than bathrooms sports that whole um, thing yeah sports um and it's like we're we're 60 100 200 plus years into this kind of kind of concept and people are just not they're just not getting it it's like you you try um you know there are some of us that that try to meet mm-hmm. people halfway um i've been lucky in my experience to not um face opposition with people that i'm friends with who have voted for 40, 45 before. Um, I've known since high school, um, high school age. Um, and, you know, like I say earlier about conversations, we've had conversations because um, my, my knee jerk reaction was, oh my God, why'd you vote for him when you mm-hmm. know me? Like, <laughs> you're, you're a white guy, right. I'm a black gay guy. Um, the past four or five years, you've seen the kind of things that he he's incited from you know mm-hmm. from the podium, um, and a lot of the people that follow him and vote for him yeah. are killing people that look like me. Um, and I was and I, and I freaked out in my mind. I'm like, okay, maybe I should leave because <laughs> this isn't. But then I thought. You know, I've known this guy since I was 17, 18 years old. And I, um, over the course of the weekend, we sat and we watched the news and we talked. And he just didn't understand why people are acting the way that they are. And that's the difference. That's when I learned the difference between the person and the voter. You know what I mean? Um, up until that point, I thought, oh, well, if you vote for Trump, shit, I said his name, mm-hmm. if you vote for 45, um, you are basically voting for my non-existence. And that's, you know, I take full responsibility for that ignorance. Um, but again, the key is the conversation. Um, and that's the, the key to understanding Um other people and understanding other experiences right. and perspectives. And that's um, why it's, you know, people are so quick sometimes they feel like to, um, like the whole cancel culture thing, you know, where we just want to write people off or, you know, if it's on social media, well, I'm blocking you, I'm unfriending you. And, you know, sometimes it's definitely necessary, but I think, you know, like you said, if you give people the kind of the benefit of the doubt initially and try to make space for a dialogue where you can possibly not change their mind, but kind of find some common ground and like maybe understand why they think the way they do, even if you don't agree with it still, Um, you know, and I think generally having a willingness to have a dialogue about it without being 
you know, even specifically with trans issues without being extremely like defensive or ready to like jump down someone's throat for accidentally saying the wrong thing. Um, that's kind of how I've always approached it. Like, I don't like the whole you're canceled. Now with the Camp Boomerang thing, which I, I think you, did you see the article at all about that? With the, they said trans men couldn't come mm -hmm. to their camp. So I saw, um, I didn't see the article itself, but I did see a few Facebook friends of mine mm. have a dialogue and share screenshots and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's just, right. that's not a good Yeah, so thing. I'm using that as an example <laughs> because I think there's a big difference between something like that where it's just outright refusal to listen or be educated and it's just like well I'm gonna you know be hateful and there's nothing you could do about it you know people that come from it with that mentality like there is consequences for that absolutely but you know people like maybe yourself who just don't perhaps have all of the knowledge and you're learning and you're trying to understand like that is definitely like if you give people the benefit of the doubt with that, you know, it makes it easier to learn without feeling uh, like you have to walk on eggshells. So there's different ways to go about it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, because I don't, um, I, I'm fully aware um, whether, mm -hmm. you know, people mean well or they don't. Um, of the reality that the the color of my skin is probably going to get me into more trouble mm -hmm. than the content of my character. Um, and with that comes a lot of doubt or a, a lot of fear or uncomfortability um, or a perceived sense of um, a perceived sense of some kind of stereotype. Um, and, you know, I try as I, as I might, um, I try to educate people to the reality that, mm -hmm. you know, we're not a monolith. Like, we're not, everybody out here is not what you see on the news. Um, and, with that, I also have to be aware that not everybody, where they're from or where they lived or where they were raised, um, may have the range or, you know, the experience um, enough, I guess, with people that look like me. Um, and I can't necessarily fault them 100%, um, but I do know that it that comes with um, some kind of consciousness. Um, I know that people my age right now who um, coworkers, colleagues of mine are slowly unpacking their, their bias um, that they were taught or raised when they were living in the South. I know one girl at my job who's from outside the Wake Forest area, um, which I believe is in South Carolina. Um, 
one of the one of the Carolinas. I'm sorry. Um, we were having a conversation uh, last year. This is pre-COVID, where um, she was sharing with me that she's unpacking the racial bias. Um, she's looking back on her childhood and things that she was told and things that she was taught. And she's unpacking all of that and challenging that. Um, and that, that takes a, a huge amount of courage and a huge amount of bravery when a person right. starts to do that. Um, and not in any of my experiences with her in the last six or seven years that I've known her that I've noticed anything that tinged on prejudice or tinged on discrimination. Um, if anything, she's very sensitive to, to my you know, experiences that Black people and people of color have in this country. And she's trying to understand why it has to be, why is it that way? Um, and I honestly cannot encapsulate 400, 500 years right, or more yeah. into a conversation. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, it's, it, I, I give a huge amount of respect and um, solidarity to people that get to a certain age or get to a certain point in their life where they're just like, yeah, you know, that's stuff from my childhood that, you know, my parents or my aunts or my uncles used mm -hmm. to say when I was growing up, that was kind of fucked up. And I don't want to pass that kind of thing on to my child um, who's mixed or, or black or biracial. Um, and it's, it's wonderful to see. Um, you know, you don't get to, you don't get to see that often enough um so <laughs> see, I'm, I'm talking and talking talking um <laughs> and this was supposed to be about you um <laughs> um so i i wanted to know um in the past uh four or five years was there ever a moment uh personally when 45 was president that you just got really pessimistic, um, depressed, really hopeless as to the fate of the trans community and trans lives. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say from the moment we found out he won the election to like, right before he left <laughs> I don't know four years all in between um yeah I mean and it wasn't I feel right. like for me as somebody who is not visibly trans you know nobody knows unless I tell them and as somebody who is not a person of color and who is male I have a lot of privilege or perceived privilege and well yeah privilege and I felt like what it was for me is trying to take care of my community. Whenever we'd see a tweet about some erratic transphobic, you know, thought of his or whatever, um, for example, the military stuff, um, you know, it really 
I saw what it did to the community and it was just heartbreaking because it's, you know, oh gosh, it's, it's so, it was sad. Like, and I just felt like I was trying to comfort people a lot and be like, you know, he, he doesn't mean it. it. It was so toxic and just, you know, there's so much I could say about that, but um, I think it's great though. Like I'm not a huge proponent of, um, you know, Joe Biden, but I think it's better than what we had. Right. Um, so I think it's also great that they, that, the Biden administration literally has been saying trans rights are human rights. You know, we believe in trans rights and they are, and we're working on this Equality Act. And I, I feel a lot more um, optimistic lately for our whole community. So yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully that will be an upwards trend to like continue to make positive change and fight against this bigotry that exists and like undo some of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much. I, I, I really hope that we, um, we get to a point to where we're undoing or mm -hmm and or educating more people um, than we have before. Um, and, you know, of course, a, a lot of a person's growth uh, starts mm. with, starts on the inside. Um, I think the more people see or expose to um, what it is we are trying to do as a community and what we're trying to represent and the goals that we want to accomplish um, that people will start to come around bend and say, oh, you know, we're, you know, they're not so bad after all. And I don't know why the news would tell us this one thing when the reality is this. Um, and they start to challenge, I, I guess, the norms, the norms and the, um, yeah, the norms and the, mm. I can't even think of another word, but I think you get what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> you know, I, um, I guess I'm in the same boat with you as far as Biden. Um, you know, he, he wasn't mm -hmm. my first choice. I definitely didn't see him coming. Um, I mean, when the, the presidential race started, yeah. there were like so many. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, this is turning into Survivor Island. Right? There's so many yeah. competitors. <laughs> um, I was, at first, I was gearing Sanders. towards Warren and. Um, yeah, Warren and Sanders. Um, I was really pulling for Sanders, you know, the entire time because I was aware and I was researching and reading up mm -hmm. on his his civil rights work. Um, you know, and he was doing this at a time where you didn't see a lot of um, 
white people, white men specifically, like part of the fight, um, getting dragged and getting kicked and all this other stuff and still pressing on. Um, and then you had Warren who, you know, her yeah, one phrases which, oh have a <laughs> That was my top, still is my top pick, but hopefully she'll run again. <laughs> yeah, um, I believe she still has her yeah. seat in, in the House. Yeah, the Senate. Oh, the Senate, sorry, the seat in the Senate. Um, I was kind of hoping um, Biden would like bring her on as some part of his administration. Um, because, I mean, as a woman of a particular age, she just still has this fire um, about her. And, you know, nothing, not to hark on Biden, but I mean, I think it would behoove him to surround himself and, you know, with people that are around the same age, but they still have that fire. Um, you know, Kamala is definitely a woman that embodies a lot of what this yeah. country needs, and I'm so glad that she's the VP. Um, I've been following her the past 10 or 15 years at, when she was part of the Senate committee, I believe, um, and how she would just fire off questions and cross-examine <laughs> right, like the knuckleheads in suits. <laughs> I was like, "Yes, get them, get them, get them." Um, so hopefully that dynamic, um, will um have a lot of traction, or just it'll be like wheels to the ground. We're off and running. Um, you know, I'm. I'm aware that like the first hundred days or the first six months, they're basically like in the mud trying to like push through all mm -hmm. the shit that was left behind when 45 was president. Um, and hopefully between the two of them, more protections and more um, um, anti-discrimination clauses come out um, that protect to protect you and and me and our community you know in the office mm -hmm. you know at the hospital um insurance and all that other stuff because i really hate to for all of this work that we've been doing specifically you've been doing um to you know go up in flames so to speak or be for naught um yeah, um, he wasn't my first choice, right. but I'll take what I can get yeah. at this point. It can't be worse than the last four years. <laughs> um, didn't mean to mm -hmm. go off on a political thing, sure. but you know you can't help it at this stage in life. Um, so in Chicago, um, so if you can like share with the people out there, what life is like as um, as a trans man. Um, just 
I don't know how I would put this or no, I think I, if, I think if that was it. too vague. Um, <laughs> so I think yeah, being like a okay. uh, like a gay trans man in Chicago, um, I generally don't have any issues with you know anything with being trans or gay. I live in Boys Town, which is you know the designated uh, LGBT kind of neighborhood although that's a whole nother thing um but yes there are rainbow flags when i walk down halstead street and there are trans flags now which i think is great they added those recently um there are crosswalks that are painted with rainbow and there's one that has a trans flag on it and there are um there's a really big lgbt community center that's where I was running my group at, but they're not, I don't think they're doing that right now because of COVID, but um, they're there. There's um, Howard Brown Health, which is a really great LGBTQ um, health organization in Chicago. And they um, do a lot of great work. So those are all like right in the area. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, there's no, like, people don't have problems with being trans. I'm just saying I don't personally, and I think that's because I pass, you know, really well, or, like, people don't know that I'm trans, but I that doesn't mean I'm not open about it. Like, I really don't care. I will kind of tell anybody if it comes up, you know, I don't, I'm not shy about it. So I guess I've been lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's good. Yeah, because I was um. So having as myself being familiar with the um, mm-hmm. Brandon Tina story and um, which mm-hmm. that that still cuts deep for me. Um, and I'm not going to go in that direction with this next question. I was going to. Um, ask just was there ever a time where you know you where you just started to doubt the the process or doubt yourself as you were figuring things out Um, because you know some people you know when they when they um when they're going through something, and this could be anything, um, you know, maybe some thoughts or some feelings start to come or start to hit them. And maybe is mm-hmm. am I doing the right thing? You know what I mean? Am I am I um, yeah? Am I strong enough? Uh, is my mental health, how's my mental health? Am I going to be okay? Um, yeah. You know, there's just so, so many variables. Um, was there ever a point during your journey where you had some doubt or you were very pessimistic or you were just very, very depressed? Um, I mean, you just weren't confident. Oh, about my decision. About um, I decision. think. Like, well, I was kind of 
I had a lot of mental health problems before with depression. And um, I think if anything, when I decided to transition, when I realized I was transgender first, that was a big, that was a very positive thing. Like that was a big moment of clarity. And there was a little bit of doubt initially, but not really. When I found out that you could take testosterone and like grow a beard and you know, all that, I was, was like, sign me up. Where do I get it? I was 20 years old and I was impulsive. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I want to do this. There was no doubts about that. And then I, that's why I said I started five months later, which isn't really that long of a time. But it's been now 12 years. And I can honestly say it is the best thing I have ever done for myself. And I don't think I'd be sitting here right now if I didn't do it. It is a matter of life and death. So I think I definitely did what was in alignment with my higher self, so to speak. That's, that's great. Um, yeah. No, well, I mean, a lot of, that wasn't a, yeah, a lot of people do question. have doubts. Um, I was just very, I was so young and I was like excited and did it really have all the world knowledge that I have at 32. And, you know, I, I probably, if I were, if it were like now that I was starting, let's say to transition at this age, I think it would be a lot different. And I think I would have all those doubts probably now. Um, and a lot of people do. So I think I was just one of maybe an exception with that because I was just like, I felt that it was the right thing to do very strongly. And turns out I was right. And it was. So, yeah. And the people, you know, people always are like, what are the anti trans rhetoric? Or like the argument is like, well, what if you like regret it or you you know figure out that you're not really a man or like whatever like you change your mind um first of all for me personally I have never once thought like I said I've never once thought oh did I make a mistake or what if I no like every time I even teeter on maybe questioning it my my uh it's always confirmed that no this was meant to be um, and I think especially for kids and, you know, young teens and young adults who are questioning their gender identity, um, I think there's a lot of fear of like, you know, what, well, what if they decide to like make changes like medically? And there's a big misconception about, around that because, you know, especially with people younger than that, like kids, um, who are transgender like they're not they don't do anything medically usually like they, they don't like before a certain age um, and the most they'll do is when they turn you know like 10 12 like puberty onset age they can they sometimes will start puberty blockers but those are also reversible so if let's say that um, young teen wants to like actually not black puberty like wants to develop as their the sex they were assigned at birth um they can stop the blockers and puberty will resume um so that's the thing like people are acting like 
these kids are making these big life-changing decisions. It's like, no, like, and it's not just the kids, it's their families and the medical teams they have involved with trans affirming care. But yeah, for adults, it's completely different because, you know, we have our own will and could do what we want. So, but yeah, I, I just am trying to say that regret, you know, some people do transition regret it, but it's not very common. I think out of the, like literally, like I said, thousands of trans people I'm connected to, I know two who have like not, who have detransitioned and they weren't even like very far into it to begin with. So yeah, it's not very common at all. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, oh yeah <laughs> speechless because I'm learning um, <laughs> you really taught me a whole lot and I'm so glad that I was able to um, have some of your time yeah. to to learn so much um, so uh, what's what's next for you as far as like community work yeah. or um, um yeah uh, that's a good question so anything um i am organizing the very first trans week at camp it outdoor resort in fenville michigan and they are an lgbt campground mm. and this is their first like event for trans people um a lot of people are wondering if this was in response to like I was talking about earlier, the incident with the other campground that made the anti-trans statements. But this is something that we've actually been planning since last year, last summer. Um, so I'm really excited to do it this year. It's in June. And um, I plan on doing a lot of camping this summer because I'm sick of being cooped up in the house. Um, but other than that, the other things I'm looking to do once the world kind of reopens is I would like to start competing in more bear contests because I won a title last, last year at Campit. I won the Mr. Campit Bear 2020. So I want to do that more. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the um, I saw that that was mm -hmm. there was a picture. Of, yeah, and, uh, and then he was in the trash yeah. on, and you were with your husband. Okay, that's awesome. Um, trying to think of what else to ask. Um, <laughs> wow, so. <laughs> did you have anything you wanted to ask me at all um or i don't know i want to open the floor as much no as and i i think no and i do appreciate <laughs> you know getting to hear about kind of your experience um not only from somebody that lives in you know you said you live in baltimore right yeah so somebody lives on the other part of the country but also right. just you know I, I i think you know getting uh discriminated against 
for whether it be based on race or gender, being trans or being gay, you know, I think I always appreciate when I can connect with folks who experience maybe a different form of discrimination or whatever, and just kind of relate in a different way, if that makes sense. Um, and just kind of maybe look at some of the ways that I might be, you know, misinformed on things and just like, you know, you taught me stuff as well. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, that's, um, I, I believe that was one of the reasons why I started the podcast was just to give a voice to not only myself, but to others right, yeah. in the community that otherwise would not have one. Um, I mean, because, you know, it's, it's one thing to put an article together to highlight something in the community locally. And then it's something when you, you know, you're in a competition and, you know, it's your turn to speak on the mic and give a speech. Um, but I think it's, it's a whole other thing when, you know, you're on a podcast and you actually right. reach a lot of people with your story. Um, and, you know, this, this platform goes so many different ways and goes, you know, reaches so many different people um, who otherwise probably would have never thought about it you know you know we're all cooped up in the house and you know right. podcasts are like more popular than ever um you know people are looking you know at streaming for music and then you have the podcasting and all that other stuff and they have nothing but time in their hands um so it's you know it was more like it started off as something out of necessity i was like well i don't know when we'll be returning to work right. let me see what I can do with my time. Um, I started out with like a podcast kit and just, you know, connecting it to the laptop and like recording through like a wave program. Um, and I thought, okay, I'll join YouTube mm -hmm. and start that. But then it was just like, yeah, that's a lot of work. Um, and then uh, a friend of mine who already had a podcast at the time early last year told me about Anchor and I was like, okay, I can record through this one thing and then just oh, that's awesome. spread it out through like eight different platforms from here. Um, and, you know, record through mm -hmm. AirPods or headphones um, through the phone. And that's awesome. It's just so easy. Like I can do it from anywhere compared to like right. being behind a mic downstairs and that'd be it. Um and, you know, I tried to, um, you know, when I first started out, it was more like, it was just me just talking about random stuff, um, you know, mental health, you know, being a sufferer of depression most of my life and like childhood trauma and all this other stuff. And I thought, you know, I mean, I should throw in some current stuff, you know, current affairs, mm -hmm. but I didn't want it to be an exact model of another podcast because, <laughs> you know, that's boring. Um, <laughs> so, you know, my, my, uh, sorry, Michael, Derek and I, um, I finally got Derek on the podcast uh, last month and that was amazing. I actually hope to have him on 
more over, you know, the rest of the year. Um, and, you know, it to me, it's just, I think it's very important, you know, when people, when we're in such a place um, of vulnerability and in a position to, to learn and educate, um, I think it's very important that people that are like in small towns or way out in the middle of nowhere um, have this opportunity to listen to all different kinds of stories and different perspectives. Um, And and hopefully it brings us a lot closer. Um, (laughs) So um, (laughs) back away from the podium because I feel like I was running for office just then. Um, And I wanted to open the floor again um, to you if you wanted to share any more things, um, tidbits, things about your life, um, your future, your journey. I mean, yeah, I'm, I guess just hoping that uh, by putting, you know, my story out there as a gay trans man that I cannot only promote acceptance of trans people from outside of the community, but also promote acceptance from within the community because, you know, I am both. I'm gay and trans, and I find that, you know, I'll be places and, you know, talking to another, like, gay dude, and he'll make some comment about, you know, something like, (laughs) I'm a gold star, like, just things like that that they don't realize are, like, okay, but that's kind of weird for me because you're telling me that I'm gross or whatever. So, yeah, that happened actually last night. Right. Um, at a, I was at a bar. I um, I hadn't been to a bar oh. in a really long time, but I went and it was a gay bar. And I was talking to this older gentleman um, who's like sitting six feet away from me. Uh, but that was the closest neighbor. And um, yeah, he was, he said something like, um, I don't remember what he, he was just basically talking about like, it was one of those, um, you vagina comments, you know, that people say, <laughs> and, uh, and he's, and he was like plugging his nose. I'm like, you know, <laughs> actually, <laughs> Um, I was, I think I was like, some gay men like trans men. He's like, you do? And I was like, my husband does. <laughs> he's like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm trans. And I told him, he's like, oh, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> I don't think he really put two and two together, but he, he was like, oh, okay. But I, like I said, I'll tell anybody, like, I'm not afraid to like, not call people out in a you're canceled type of way once again, but just be like, hey, you know, actually, I am trans. Um, and it kind of makes them be like, oh, wait a minute. So it's just by outing myself that I educate people sometimes. But I love that. <laughs> I'll do it whenever. So. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the result was... He, I guess, in a way, he kind of yeah, it was when I got like, huh, himself, like you know, kind of checked his food for thought, um, I guess, a learning opportunity. 
Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, one can never have too many of those. I, I myself included. Um, so, I appreciate your, your time and I appreciate you. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you very much. Coming onto the podcast and sharing your experience and your story with us. I, I loved every minute of it. I hope. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. In the future, I can have you and Derek on at the same time. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> I'll probably, uh, I'll be, I'll admit though, I'll probably be a little giddy, um, cause yeah, <laughs> not for nothing. Like Derek makes yeah. me giddy. Um, <laughs> he is Derek is a delight, like all the way around. <laughs> um, and but anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. Um, but. I appreciate you coming on. Um, this is Mr. Fox of the Average Peace Podcast with my special, special guest, um, Nick. Um, thank you for coming on and sharing your, yeah. your journey and your story with us. Um, yeah. Thank you so I'm much sure for you reached and touched a lot of people listening. So, yeah. Um, I'm I'll be sure to have you on. You too, take care. You have a great day.